0: You're listening to Irish Radio Canada, and coming up on the 18th of the month, at Beechwood Cemetery, there will be a film called The Peacemaker with Padraig O'Malley, and after the film, Padraig will be in town, and he will participate in a Q&A with, uh, uh, also on the Q&A, will be retired General John de Chastelain. General de Chastellane, of course, was uh, very active in the Northern Ireland peace process and uh, eventually focused on the disarmament of paramilitary groups in the north of Ireland. And uh, the general was honoured recently by Dundalk Institute of Technology, who renamed its library in, on, in his honour. And, uh, as I say, he was responsible for the decommissioning in the north of Ireland. And I'm delighted to be able to have a conversation. Uh, general de thanks a million for taking some
1: time. Uh, that's fine, Austin. Uh,
0: so, uh, first of all, congratulations. You're just back from Ireland and having the library... Uh, dedicated, renamed in your honor. Uh, would you like to tell us a little about that experience?
1: Well, there's little to tell. It was a great honor. I had met the um, the president of the uh, Institute before, um, Michael Mulvey. Um, and it wasn't just myself, but my wife was uh, also present, and a prize in music is being named after her, which will be uh, presented annually. Um, it was a very pleasant day. There were a number of people there that I knew, um, and as I say, it was an honor to uh, have my name associated with the Institute. The Institute itself has a close connection with Canada through two other aspects. One of them is the Island Park Foundation that uh, a former uh, Irish businessman, now a Canadian, has uh, has started, um, uh, Robert Kearns. Uh, and he is very closely linked to, um, and the um, initiative is very closely linked to, uh, the Institute. And also, nearby in Carlingford, um, the home of Darcy McGee, who was one of the founders of the uh, Canadian Federation, um, they have an annual event in his name that involves Canadian input. So it was, my being involved with the Institute, I think, was part of a, an all-Canadian Uh, interest that the Institute is taking uh, in things in Canada and in uh, Ireland particularly in Carlingford
0: By naming uh, the library in your honour of course it is a recognition of the role that you played in the peace process uh, in the Independent International Commission on decommissioning and um, you noted in your comments I think when you were in Ireland that the true architects of the peace process were the people of the region um, the process itself when you were involved you became an acceptable or you were an acceptable figure to both sides of the conflict as being adequately independent and as a Canadian um, in that role that must have brought you and it did bring you in, uh, in contact with the front line um, participants in the conflict on both sides uh, would you care to comment a little on, on that experience
1: well, well first I was only one of a number of people you're absolutely right I think the, the real architects of the peace process were the, uh, the people of Ireland both North and then the Republic uh, who wanted men to violence and who were prepared to take part in discussions at the governmental level uh, Britain and Ireland um, and at the political level, the Northern Ireland political parties that got together for the discussions under the chairmanship of um, uh, Senator George Mitchell and the former Prime Minister of Finland, Harry Hokery, and myself, um, the, the true architects were the people themselves who, who wanted an end to violence, who looked to remedy the reasons for which a paramilitary organization took up arms in the first place. Um, So that was the major issue as far as I was concerned, and I talked about that at at Dundalk, that there were a large number of people uh, from a large number of countries. It goes to show how important Ireland is internationally. The people from the United States, Canada, Finland, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all played a role in the process that led to the Belfast Agreement, the Good Friday Agreement, and... What happened afterwards? Um, as to the paramilitary groups, we met with representatives of each group. They each provided representatives for us to discuss what we would have to do and how we were going to do it. Um, so that was the extent of my uh, dealing with actual paramilitary groups.
0: Because it would have taken some time to build up trust with the paramilitary groups to the point where you could have been in any way effective.
1: I think trust was important. Um, uh, we had to convince them that we would do what we said we would do, and they had to convince us that they would do what they said they would do, and that happened. Um, the whole issue of uh, of the decommissioning of arms was a a requirement of the of the Belfast Agreement, the Good Friday Agreement. It was supposed to take place within two years of the approval of the agreement, North and South. Uh, In the event it took longer, and when some posed the question, why is it taking so long, I think one of the answers was that the the Belfast agreement indicated that decommissioning should take place uh, as the various aspects of the agreement were put into effect. And some of those weren't put into effect immediately. In some cases it took some years
0: and I know in some cases it's still disputed on some of the implementation of those which could in effect bring us up to where the fragility of the Good Friday Agreement uh, still exists particularly with Brexit and does that raise for you concerns that in the event of the UK exiting Europe and the premise of the Good Friday Agreement being that North and South of Ireland were part of this uni- uh, European project that there are real concerns relative to the Good Friday Agreement.
1: I don't think there was anything specific in the Belfast Agreement that related to uh, membership in the European Union itself. Um, the reason that the border was, uh, was a hard border, if you like, um, related to... The, the conflict um, once the conflict was over, in the sense that the Belfast agreement had been been reached and implementation had started, uh, the border was no longer a hard border. Uh, British troops that had been involved there um, left um, The only way you knew you were crossing a border was signs that told you that it was kilometers per hour instead of miles per hour and and euros instead of pounds but um, The the discussions up to the Belfast Agreement, I don't think, were related to the European Union itself. The suggestion that uh, if Brexit or when, if and when Brexit goes ahead, that will have an effect on the border, I think is troubling, uh, simply because the concerns of some about two jurisdictions separated by a border were somewhat alleviated by the fact that people could move freely north and south uh, in between and goods could move freely north and south and I think there would be concerns about how that would be uh, engineered but I think those concerns are fully understood both by officials in the European Union in the British government in the uh, Irish government at all uh, and of course in Northern Ireland and the uh, members of the elected members of the assembly so uh, I think it's too soon to get particularly concerned about that. As to the continuation of violence in some quarters, uh, that was going on even during the talks and after the talks. There were organizations, armed organizations, that were not dealing with the Commission that maintained their arms. There are some that are still active. Uh, As one of their members said recently, they have no public support and no hope of defeating the powers of law and order, but they're going to continue with their work. Um, I I think the question of of violence is something that the citizens of Northern Ireland and the citizens of the Republic uh, will just not accept.
0: And uh, I mentioned in the intro that coming up on the 18th, uh, Padraig O'Malley will be in town for a film at Beechwood Cemetery called The Peacemaker. And in talking to Padraig, he mentioned that some of his work relative to the north of Ireland was how he had successfully managed to... Bring uh, parties from the north of Ireland to uh, South Africa and uh, explain or uh, obtain an understanding of how the peace process that had happened in the north of Ireland could be uh, used, and vice versa how the process of what was going on in South Africa. Um, you and Padraig will get to share the platform coming up on the 18th, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that movie. Uh, I know I don't think you've had the opportunity to meet Padraig yet, but uh, it's something, as I say, I'm looking forward to. Um, you yourself, um, in other aspects of the peace process, that the experience that you gained has that been? Have you been able to translate that to other areas of the world, or have you been sought out as a result uh, to pr- provide your expertise?
1: Uh, I have, but let me go back to uh I've never met him. I was certainly aware of his work right at the outset of the process in 1995 uh, and in early 1996 when the political parties from the north had come back from South Africa. And just before the talk started, um, two of the principal architects of the South African move away from uh, apartheid Uh, came to Belfast, and um, I met with both of them, Solar Ramaphosa and Rolf Meyer, and they were there at the uh, instigation of the work that uh, Pottery had been done, so I am certainly aware of that, and I look forward to to having discussions with him. Um, Because aspects of the peace process in Northern Ireland were considered to be a success internationally. I have in fact been asked to take part and over the years I'm no longer involved in it but in giving advice on aspects of what was achieved to uh, conflicts in in the Philippines um, the concern about a, um, a um, Islamic liberation front wishing to set up a a state on the island of Mindanao, and I was involved there at the instigation of the Swedish government. Um, I was involved again at the instigation of the Swedish government in providing advice in the case of uh, Nepal to the uh, seven-country alliance on the Maoists, again, talking about the the lessons from the Northern Ireland peace process as it related to paramilitary organizations, and more recently, but some years ago still, Um, in uh, uh, Colombia when I was asked to talk to the military leaders and political leaders um, with a group that was sponsored through um, Norway um, involving two American experts on on conflict resolution um, talking about the move that the government was making to forge an agreement with the FARC in uh, Colombia. So I think there was a great interest internationally in what had been achieved in Northern Ireland, and a um, wonder, a wonderment whether lessons there could be applied to uh, to their own conflict.
0: Indeed. Well General I don't want to take any more of your time I'm really grateful of the opportunity to talk and I want to thank you for taking the time it has been wonderful uh, talking with you and I look forward to uh, being at the movie and uh, seeing you there and I know it will be an experience to get the opportunity to meet Padraig also. Uh,
1: Thank you Arthur, and I look forward to that occasion too and seeing you again. Thank you.